0: Alright. Welcome back to another edition of the Drop Pass podcast. Back in action after one week break, so hopefully you are not too rattled about that fact. Since this week we are back with a vengeance, and I'm going to keep things short and sweet this week, since we have to take a closer look at the current NHL playoff races. While on the side, we will also take a dip into the upcoming UFC 273, which is going to go down this weekend in Jacksonville. Within two weeks, the Canadians, Coyotes, Flyers, Kraken, Devils, Blackhawks, Senators and the Sabres have been eliminated from the playoff contention. Meanwhile, the Panthers, Avalanche and the Canes were the first teams to clinch a playoff spot from each conference. First players have already passed the 100-point mark, and Leon Draisaitl alongside Austin Matthews were the first ones to break the 50-goal mark this season. As Matthews broke also the Leafs' franchise record by recording his 55th goal of the season, and also set the record for most goals scored in a season by a U.S.-born player. It won't end there, that's for sure. 60 goals is already inside. And overall, the NHL playoff race has really picked up the pace closer we get to the last whistle of this campaign. The quarterfinals in the Champions League are also already underway. The UFC 273 will be hosted in Jacksonville this weekend, as I said. So you could say that the things are slowly starting to heat up towards the upcoming summer. And since that seems to be the current theme, we as well are going to kick things off straight away and fire away the intro music. So... Without further ado, let's get going. Man, it feels good to be back chatting with you guys after another short break. So what do you say if we kick things off straight away and see what I'll have in store for you this week? All you UFC fans, yes... The two of you who want to hear my takes on the main matchups this weekend have to wait until the end part of this episode since the first part of this week's show is going to be reserved for the NHL as we take a closer look at the current standings and how the teams are shaping up before we head into the playoffs. When it comes to future episodes, the one fact is that during the next few coming weeks, perhaps already next week, We are going to do a deep dive into this year's NHL draft class and I get to introduce you some of the top prospects who are going to make a name for themselves in the bright lights of the NHL in the future. Because somehow we haven't really touched upon that topic yet and it's almost disgraceful on my part, so thus that is going to be something we look into in the very near future. Regarding future guests, I don't have anything solid to provide you at this point, unfortunately. But you can be assured that I'm going to try to reel in some names that might intrigue you. The Q&A episode will be on the cards at some point, but since I'm going to need some activity on your behalf as well, we might reserve that for the summer as we hit the trenches of the off-season. And let that thought still marinate some time. But if you have any suggestions or wishes regarding topics for the future, please hit me up on the platform you feel comfortable with. And I promise you, I'll try to implement those topics for the future episodes. So don't hesitate to bring those to my knowledge, since I would really love to hear what would be the topics that you would like me to cover in the future episodes. Many of you have stated that you really liked the episode where I covered my own background in the sport and explained some of the stuff that I went through during those days. So that's at least something to build upon and which has stuck with me. And I've tried to figure out topics that could be put on display with similar personal touch, if you will, but haven't been able to figure it out yet, but it's on the works as well, so just trust me. But like I said, leave your suggestions down in my DMs, and I'll try to come up with something that would resonate with you guys listening to this podcast, because that, at the end of the day, is the aim for me each week, believe it or not. And I want you guys to stick with me through each week and... Thank you for already doing so. Lastly, before we really hop into our episode, once again, I would kindly ask you to leave a rating for this podcast on Spotify if you haven't already. And if you have, you are absolutely one of my dogs and deserve a sloppy toppy 300 for that. And also while you're at it, go press the follow button on the platform you're using so that you don't happen to miss any of the future episodes that will be released. But with that said, we will continue marching on to our main topic of this episode, which is going to be the current stage of the NHL playoff race. And today I'm going to provide you a quick peek at the current standings and I'm going to mix in some of my thoughts on those teams fighting for the last remaining spots before we get to see the final picture of the teams involved in the hunt of the Lord Stanley. So let's get to it, shall we? First though, before the breakdown, I have to mention a few notable news around the league since we got a few updates regarding a couple of the league's legends. As first, Ryan Getzlaff announced that he will be retiring after this season. And that same day, pretty much, Marian Hossa announced that he was going to sign a one-day contract with the Blackhawks to retire as a lifetime Hawk and will get his number 81 raised to the United Center Rafters next season. Amazing careers for both guys. Even though we knew that Hossa's career was over years ago, it is an honorable gesture from both parties to work out such an arrangement to honor one of the leaders of the Blackhawks wagon from their Stanley Cup runs. When it comes to Ketzi, he pretty much brought the NHL to Anaheim alongside Selane and Correa, but without a shadow of a doubt, he's been the face of the franchise and will get his banner night as well, probably already next year, so... We will get more emotional once that is upon us. Amazing, amazing careers for both Stanley Cups, Olympic golds and over 2,800 games in the NHL in total tells you all you need to know about these two league legends. Hats off once again and farewells to Getzlav who very deservingly will get to enjoy his retirement after 17 years spent in the league. Last notable headline from the past week was the fact that Roman Yosi became the leading scorer for the Preds as he passed the single season record previously held by Paul Correa and might be flirting with a 100-point season in total when he would join the elite group of defensemen such as Bobby Orr and Paul Coffey who've been able to achieve that milestone previously. 12 games remaining in the season so with this current pace he will achieve that but now that I've mentioned it I hope that I didn't just jinx the whole thing. So we are going to end it right there. But now we finally get to move to our actual content. So thank you for staying and welcome to the show. Sometimes things stretch out a bit. But as you know, we will get into the action eventually as we've done now. And remember, I had a small break. So I'm straight up buzzing right now. So that explains part of it. But now let's get more serious. About 10 games left to be played this season for all teams, and the playoff hunt has really heated up since the last time we talked. And like I said, some teams have already clinched their spots in the last dance, and a few more are going to follow suit in no time. In the East, the playoff teams are pretty much settled already, and especially in the Metro Division, the top three teams have run away from the competition, but as well, the top four teams in the Atlantic now only have to settle their spots for the first playoff round because the other teams in the division have already lost their chance for the postseason. Carolina already cleansed the playoff spot as the first team from the Metro. Rangers currently hold the second spot, only two points behind the Canes, and the Penguins fill the top trio with 92 points in total. The last team that is most likely going to find their way to the playoffs is the Washington Capitals who are currently cruising 11 points ahead of the Islanders, who are still somewhat in the mix when it comes to wildcard spot, but that's a long shot to say the least. The Blue Jackets are three points behind the Isles as of writing, and they played two more games than both teams ahead of them, so if a playoff spot for the Isles was a long shot, this would be a 60-yard field goal attempt, and mind you, Justin Tucker won't be taking that kick, so... If you know, you know. The Isles have battled back from a horrific start and this goes to show you with bad start you lose quite a lot in the big picture and the season becomes way shorter in a sense that the games start to mean more way earlier than for teams that have picked up the tempo from the first puck drop. The Caps also haven't looked totally bulletproof as of late so they've left the door open for the Islanders to fight their way back but... The odds are still against the team from Long Island, but we've also seen even bigger surprises in the past, so there's a still glimpse of hope inside their locker room. The top three teams will find their spots in the dance, and when looking at the current Atlantic standings, the top spots could end up being more crucial in the Metro than in the Atlantic. And let me just explain why that might be the case. Florida as I said, has nailed down their playoff spot already. And just like Colorado, probably no one wants to face that team in the first round. Now that the Top Guns are firing on all cylinders, their d has dipped to spread and old Bobby boy has topped the puck almost with the way he used to in Columbus. So at least I would welcome the Canes much rather than the Panthers, who are the wagon in the East. And don't get me wrong, the Canes will be an absolute menace to face in the playoffs because of their speed and depth, but what Florida has showed this season is terrifying for opposing teams, and most guys would want to evade facing them as long as it is humanely possible. Their defense at this point is the real concern, though, as they are one of the worst teams in the league 5-on-5, five five, and if Eggblad has any lingering injury issues... That might be troublesome for the team in the long run. The other top teams, Toronto, Tampa Bay and Boston, fight for the remaining spots in the Atlantic and quite honestly, those teams can't be taken lightly either, since each team has its own X-factors. Whether it is few cups in the back pocket, current flow of the team or pure offensive firepower, there's pretty much something for everyone. No one is going to reach those teams before the season is over, so they are locks when it comes to playoff spots, but the positions are still up for grabs after the stacked Panthers squad, and the home advantage in a playoff race with a full crowd is going to be a huge boost for the teams, which some might have already forgotten because of a certain global fork in the road. Boston is hitting up at the right time and have showed that they haven't lost a step even with a very shaky start for their season. So they could end up being one of the dark horses in the playoffs without a doubt, but as well could be out of the playoffs within the first four games. So we'll see what the end result for them will be. Toronto, as usual, has looked like itself lately, where the Top Guns are putting up offensive displays on nightly basis. But goaltending and defense are still reminding me why they haven't won a playoff series since the discovery of fire by humans. Their net especially has seen more rubber than professional ladies lately, and if they can't keep their net clean, it's going to be another long summer of golf for these guys, let me tell you that. Most recently, the game against the Panthers proved exactly that, and if they can't manage to hold the opposing teams to less than three goals a night, it doesn't really matter if the first line of Matthews, Marner and Bonning puts up four goals a night, because that just won't fly in the playoffs that's for sure and by the way since i mentioned their first round drought buffalo claimed home the longest playoff drought in the league history this week with 10 straight seasons without postseason so kudos for them for achieving at least some kind of milestone this year Overall, in the East, the Canes, Rangers, and the Panthers are straight-up wagons, and you might as well add to that class back-to-back champs, the Bolts, and there you have the favorites when it comes to first-round matchups in the playoffs. Boston is on a major heater, but the biggest question marks still lay in their net and offense where the depth is still quite questionable as we head into the postseason. And also, we will soon find out if the tandem of Ulmark and Swayman is going to get them far in the playoffs. Because if I'm not completely wrong, last time such an unproven goalie tandem has taken home the cup was back in 2019, when Bin Nasty took over the show. So the odds are not certainly on their side on this one, unfortunately. Swayman has showed that he could be the next big netminder for the Beast, but for him this year's playoffs are going to be crucial on his way to a starting job in Boston because the expectations are fairly high for the young netminder after the run that Rask had in their net and as we've come accustomed to the Bruins fans don't like to see their teams losing and most of the blame directs straight to their crease more often than not so there's that. The depth scoring has finally emerged in Boston, but is the output stable enough for them to make a run at the cup is another question on its own. But once the playoffs roll around, we will find out if they have enough assets to advance from the first round. And that is the starting point for this team at this stage. The Rangers as well have some questions that remain unanswered until the playoffs. And for me, the biggest ones are in their back end because without questions they have star caliber players in all three positions, but how well the young players cope with the playoff nature and how ready they are for the cruelling three-month stretch is my big question. They have experienced players on their lineup such as Gudrow, Sibanejad, Panarin, Braun, Kreider, Strom, Truba, and newly added Kopp, but the rest of the team needs to answer the bell as well and those guys collectively haven't gone too far in the playoffs, which somewhat worries me to a certain point. The defense in front of Cesc can be extremely effective, but can they find winners amongst their blue line remains to be seen, since the playoffs are a whole nother animal on its own, and the Young Bucks need to dig deep against the teams that know what is needed during the crunch time. So as I stated in the season preview, I still have my doubts about their Stanley Cup odds, but I wouldn't be surprised if this was the team that would wreak some havoc in the playoffs because of tremendous season from their top guns, plus the brick wall constructed to their crease. So hopeful belief is my take for this team for now. Overall, you can't emphasize enough the playoff experience, and especially previous success in the postseason is a major factor. So we have to wait and see if this group can surprise some teams in just a couple of weeks. The Caps are a huge question mark heading into playoffs since they haven't looked as solid in recent games as one might expect from a recent Stanley Cup winner. And just like in Boston, the question mark for them as well lays in net, where both Samsonov and Vanacek haven't been absolute units this season for the team. The big boys are still there and they need to turn up the heat once the gears start turning again and I have no doubts about that not happening but they will face a tough matchup already in the first round and the core overall has aged since the last time these guys went all in so we'll see if they can manage to weasel their way to the later rounds in the playoffs. Then we move to west where the playoff race is on a whole nother level and only few teams can say that they have a clear path to the playoffs at this stage. In the Central, as mentioned, the Avs secured their spot in the postseason already as the current number one seed team. Mini is on the second spot with 91 points, closely followed by third place team St. Louis with 90 points. Fourth spot belongs to Nashville with 86 points, and the last two remaining teams that are in the hunt for a playoff ticket are Dallas with 84 points and lastly Winnipeg with 76 points in the 6th spot. So 15 points separates the 2nd and the 6th spot, while the difference between the spots 3 to 5 is only 6 points, so the battle is still very much on in the Central. The Jets are the team on the cusp of elimination currently, and they played one more game than the teams that they are chasing, so they pretty much belong to the Islanders category in the West, where they have to sacrifice an arm and a leg to claim the wildcard spot from the conference. Not completely done but facing a tough battle and the fact that they have to fight against specific teams for the spots as well doesn't really help their situation one bit. All top five teams though can still drill home the third spot in the division while the two remaining wildcard spots are there to be grabbed for all teams involved in the race on both divisions. In the Pacific, the situation is also fairly similar where five teams are still in the contention for the top spots in the division as Calgary currently holds the throne with 95 points followed by Edmonton in the second place with 89 points the Kingsman the third spot one point behind the Oils while Vegas is in the fourth spot with 82 points but are currently struggling with injuries and despite that are still putting up a battle with a bit weaker roster than usual. The last team in the contention is the Canucks, who are just four points away from the Knights, so these guys could still challenge for the remaining wildcard spots as well, believe it or not. It would be pretty much the Cinderella story of this season regarding teams, and the moves done by their organization this year have really improved the overall performance of the team, and their future is starting to look a bit brighter than it used to a couple months back. So as you see, the playoff hunt in the West is as crowded as many could have predicted before the season. And now what matters the most is the fact that the teams that are able to elevate their game by one more notch in the remaining games are going to succeed because it's going to be an absolute dogfight for the last remaining spots. Most of the playoff tickets are still in play for the teams contending for those spots, as I said, And there will be no easy matchups in the West once the playoffs roll around. And as Daryl Sutter said, even though a team might slip into the playoffs through the wildcard spot, that would mean that they would probably have to face the top team in the league, aka the Avs, or one of the teams from the Pacific, and it could end up being a waste of those eight days that it takes at minimum, if the series ends up being as one-sided as we could predict. Darcy Kemper has been on fire lately for the Avs, which is extremely promising for their Wagon of 8 team, while Kadri, Girard and their captain Landeskog should be back once the playoffs start, so the Avalanche really are the team to beat once the postseason gets fired up. Mini and St. Louis are the favorites to grab the two remaining spots in the Central, while Vegas could easily slip out of the playoff picture depending on their next few designing games of the regular season. Edmonton is also on a heater, but as every year, they can't promise any success in the playoffs before their goaltending and defense prove us wrong. So their job at this point is to start gearing up towards the playoffs and make sure that the whole team is willing to put their hard hats on because they are going to need every individual on the team once the playoffs start. The two-man show won't be enough as we've seen during the past few postseasons. Vegas is another team that will be a threat in the playoffs if they are able to suit up their entire roster and the Flames have been operating extremely efficiently the entire season, so they as well just have to prove us that they are more than just a good regular season team at this point. But with Sutter behind their bench, I don't expect anything else than a strong continuation to their regular season. When it comes to, for example, Vancouver, I unfortunately just can't see them grabbing a wildcard spot in the west, even though it would create a tremendous storyline. So rest of the teams that make their way to the postseason just have to hope that they don't face the abs before the conference finals, or otherwise they may head to golf courses already before the series start. St. Louis is another dark horse in my papers and a lot comes down to their goaltending since Husso has taken over their crease this year, and Binnington has been somewhat miserable throughout the whole season, so it remains to be seen if Hus is the guy to drag them far in the playoffs, like his partner did a couple years back. Because at least to me, the team seems to be one of the strongest ones overall in the West. The core is there, young players have elevated to new levels, the leadership group is pretty much the same to their cup-winning team, and the additions made in the offseason have paid dividends. So to me, they look like a real contender despite their current position in the central. Their playstyle fits perfectly to the playoff structure since it doesn't really change once the games start to matter. And to me, that's one of the biggest strengths that I see them having year in and year out. I'm not fully sold on Nashville's chances. And if the Stars happen to make the playoffs, they would need a Bennington caliber performance from Ottinger. ...to go further than the first round against the top teams in the West. So we will see what the outcome is going to be closer to the Pacific Ocean. It is going to be extremely interesting to see which teams are able to grab the available tickets for the dance. And like I said, nothing else matters more than the current form for these teams... ...once we crunch out the remaining 10 or so games from the regular season. But that is pretty much the current picture of the last stretch of this NHL season... Most fans are licking their fingers before the last push while others are taking out sunbeds to get ready for relaxing summer without playoff hockey. And I know, I know, I should be doing that too as a Habs fan, but you know, I still have to scrape ice off my car window, so you better give me some slack bud, cause the summer is still waiting for the elevator on the ground floor. Long summer inbound for me on that front, but fortunately I have to chat with you guys on a weekly basis so I get to enjoy the playoffs while on the side I get to dream of a first line of Caulfield, Ride, and Suzuki and I'm gonna just leave you with that thought As said, exciting times ahead for hockey fans and I gotta say that I'm pretty hyped about the fact that we get to enjoy the full playoff experience with arenas filled with fans cause for sure the crowds are going to bring their best this year and bring the extra element to the games, even in Florida. I'm more than sure of that. But that will be the NHL coverage for this week. Next, we head to check the upcoming UFC 273 fight card. So if you are not a huge fan of that sport, I thank you for your company. But if you end up sticking with me till the end, I won't complain, because at least at that point, I know that you are here only to listen me ramble on. So shout out to you, buddy, as well. I got you. But now let's switch gears again and head for some MMA action. Alright, boyos. So what's on the platter this week, huh? Well, let me tell you. Big, big matchups coming up, so listen carefully. Upcoming Ian Gary vs. Darian Weeks. Gilbert Durinio-Burns versus Hamzad Zhimayev. Aljamain Sterling vs. Peter Yan rematch and the main event itself. David vs Goliath, the featherweight champ Alexander Volkanovski vs the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung. Yeah, it's about to go down boys, big time. Unfortunately, the fight between Rosenstrike and Tibura got cancelled in the last minute because of Tibura's illness. So we won't be seeing those big boys in the ring this weekend, but we kick things off with the prospect matchup. Ian, the future Gary, versus Darian Weeks. Gary showed promise in his UFC debut back in November and is slowly starting to get his hype train going inside the organization. The presumable next big Irishman in the UFC is one of the biggest prospects in the sport and is coming to this fight as the favorite to take the W against USA's Weeks. He possesses a raw but very promising package and has already stated that he wants to take his time climbing up the ladder before jumping into deep waters with the big hitters in the division. So now he gets a good test this weekend against a more experienced fighter who suffered a devastating loss in his last fight. Weeks will come to this fight with vengeance in his mind and won't take this fight for granted, that's for sure. Gary was able to win his debut in the last second of the very first round, but I wouldn't bet on that happening in this time around. I'm expecting him to take this fight though, but yet I'm not as hyped about him as many others, but expect him to take home a convincing victory in Jacksonville on Sunday. Then we move to the main card, and I just can't hype enough these two bouts I'm about to present to you, because... They are about to be something you certainly don't want to miss. Remember when I told you that number 11 ranked Jimayev had a striking difference of plus 120 something and had suffered only one significant strike in his four UFC bouts. Yeah, well, that guy is about to face his toughest opponent to date. But let me tell you, it won't differ much from his earlier fights, just to state the obvious. Four fights in total so far, first submission victory in the second round, then TKO victory under 4 minutes, followed by KO victory in under 20 seconds, and most recently dominating performance against China's Li Jianling, and a rear naked choke to finish the fight inside the very first round. And mind you, performance of the night bonuses on all four fights. This guy is straight-up dynamite, and you just have to see him to witness his dominance. He's ran through all his opponents so far, and unfortunately for Burns, I believe that he will be his next victim, who will either get choked out in the first round, or get his face carved in before he gets to take a rest between the rounds. He is on his way to UFC gold and has already made pretty bold statements regarding the divisions champ Kamaru Usman, and that is the fight to make before this year is over hands down. But before that, he has to face the Brazilian Bulldog, so let's check his stats before I get too carried away. So, Dorinho bounced back from his title fight loss against division Champ Usman and beat Steven Wonderboy Thompson in July 2021. He's had a bit of a break from fighting, so he's been working towards climbing back on top of the weight class. But as we saw in his fight against Usman, the difference between the pound-for-pound pound king and the challenger was still quite a large one, so I have my doubts about his success against the devil. He's been through ups and downs and has seen what the division has on offer, but Hamzad is a beast of a different kind and he has to put on his big poi pants in order to have any chance of winning this tilt, not to mention survive the constant barrage from his opponent. He has convincing victories in his belt, but somehow I just feel that he lost something in his fight against Usman, so now he needs to prove me as well as the other fans wrong, but it's going to be a challenge to say the least. So not the favorite on paper or in this speculation by far. He has strong grappling pedigree in his arsenal and his BJJ is world class, not to mention his explosive hands. But once Chimayev gets hold of you... It becomes a survival of the fittest and he needs to be ready for war when stepping into the octagon. He could have the advantage standing up but his somewhat of a reckless style exposes him for takedowns and most likely the fight will end on the ground so if you would like to win big bucks from this fight I would suggest betting on Durinia's win via KO but I'm not advising you to do that since we both know how this fight will eventually end. TKO slash submission victory and you can take that to bank because that is a factory promise guaranteed by yours truly. And that is the fight which will start this firework display but don't get used to seeing Jimaya before the main events because this guy will be headlining cards in the very near future and as he said he's in here to make history and three simultaneous belts are his goal and at this point I really can't argue with that so We wait and see what's about to happen once he gets closer to the top tier of the welterweight division. Then to the main events. First, the more anticipated matchup and the one I'm most looking forward to, if you don't count, Shimaev's one-man show. The co-main event, which will be featuring a rematch between the current band and weight champion Aljamain Sterling and the interim champ Russian Peter Jan, whose previous bout got ended in a disqualification after Jan kicked Sterling in the head while he was kneeling, so some could say that the fight ended prematurely. Now though, these guys will go at it once again, and they will prove who really is the current champion of the weight class. And while Sterling has been recovering from that blow, Jan fought for the interim title back in October 2021, and beat his rival Corey Sandhagen via unanimous decision. It was a thrilling fight between these two bantamweights, But in that fight, Jan once again proved his dominance and won the fight by a quite large margin and is marching his way to grab the belt back. This weekend though, he faces his arch nemesis and has something to prove from the previous fight. The fact after all is that the current champ Sterling is not going to be the favorite in this fight since if you remember their last fight, Jan was about to take home the belt before the fight got ended so At least for me and the most odd makers, the current champ is the underdog heading into this fight. As we head to see who really is the top dog in this weight class. Sterling was able to rock Jan with few solid combinations and his overall trickery and grappling ability made it really hard for Jan to track and anticipate his next moves in the early rounds but once Sterling started to get gassed and Jan had picked up on his unorthodox striking patterns he started to slowly break down Sterling punch by punch and it was looking like the fight was going to end before the full time. And that exactly did happen, not the way we anticipated but... Now we get to see these guys going at it in the cage again, and I'm expecting the most electrifying match of this fight card without questions. It's going to be once again Jan's precision and composure versus Sterling's unpredictable recklessness, which are going to headline the fight once again. Jan can't lose his composure like he did at times during their last fight, since as we saw, he has the capability to break down Sterling and not to exchange wild combos with him, because it might lead to an ending that he won't desire. Emotions will run high, as they already have, so it's hard to predict the outcome, but what I saw in that last fight, I have confidence to say that the current favorite Jan will come out on top at the end of it, which will close the book for these two for now, even though Sterling stated that he was in the best shape of his career. Will they match up against each other in the future? That's very likely, even though the next on the line for the champ will most likely be the number two ranked USA's own DJ Dillashaw, who also beat the Sandman in his last fight in July 2021, and is bound to see if he has enough left in the tank to take back the UFC gold. But as I said, extremely entertaining fight in the making, and I'm expecting Young to come out on top once the dust settles in the octagon. So let's say, third round knockout for Jan. Let's move on to our last fight of this UFC event. In the main event bout, we will have another title on the line, as the number four ranked featherweight Jan soon Jung tries to grab the belt from the hands of the current title holder, Australian Alexander the Great Volkanovsky, who's now pretty much beat most of the top guys in the division and is starting his second round of opponents as the current title holder last time we saw him in the cage was back in september 2021 when he beat brian ortega unanimously and continued his reign as the division champ now though he faces another top challenger who's had ups and downs in recent years but is destined to take his shot at the ufc gold In 2020, the Korean Zombie lost to previously mentioned Ortega, but in 2021 he beat the number 10th ranked Danny Ige and deserved his shot with the undisputed king of the featherweights. Unfortunately though, I can't really see him taking home the belt from the hands of the Australian, and I believe that this fight will be as lopsided as the fight between Durino and Jimayev since... Volkanovski has really showed his title pedigree in his title defenses and also when he grabbed the belt from the current number one challenger Max Holloway so there is little to no doubt that he wouldn't be able to stay as the king of the featherweight division. Of course there is the if factor in combat sports but if all goes to plan as it has for the great so far This will be another dominating performance for Volkanovski and we stand to wait for the next name to pop up to take his run at the division title. I fully get why he got his chance at this stage, but you just don't see many others challenging for the title other than Holloway in this weight class, so to me this is a filler match until we get to see the third bout between these two warriors for the world title. I don't have much else to say about this matchup, Volkanovski is the current king with a major presence in the division, while the inconsistency is the biggest concern for me when it comes to Zombie. And as my prediction, I'm going to say that Volkanovski will finish the fight in the fourth round and keep the belt until he gets his name called again. And we'll see if the next guy on the line is going to be Holloway, or if one of the upcoming challengers, for example, Calvin Cater or Arnold Allen, gets the next chance to take a run for the title. Most likely it's going to be Holloway at the end of this year, But we'll see what happens within the featherweight rankings before that happens. So really exciting weekend up ahead once again. And overall, the things are really starting to heat up in the NHL front as well. So make sure to tune in next week as well, because we are bound to see which teams have it in them to make the last pushes towards the upcoming playoffs. So as I said, this week's episode was going to be a bit shorter than usual, but at least in my mind, it packed a nice punch after a short hiatus. So hopefully you at least got your weekly dose of this nonsense once again, and you will be back again next week, because we are most likely going to dive deeper into the upcoming NHL draft prospects. One wise man once said, close mouths won't get fed, so once again, I have to ask you for a favor please go leave a rating for this podcast because it has a bigger impact on the future of this show than you might think I can promise you. And while I don't really enjoy pushing this to you each week, it really only takes you about two to three seconds to do so, so it's pretty much the least I could ask from you to do. And if you've done it already, I thank you for your deed. And at this point, I at least know that the real fans stick until the very end, so... Thank you for sticking around, I appreciate you, buddy. Hopefully you enjoyed another edition of Talking Nonsense and hope to see you next week as well. Thank you so much for the support, it means a world to me. And remember to mention about this Wreckfest to your cousin's brother so that he gets to enjoy this experience as well. Okay, he won't, but there's still a slim chance, so just give it a go. That's pretty much all I have for you this week, so tune in next week to hear about the upcoming names of the NHL entry draft. I'm signing off. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. All right.